Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, the church loves that verse. Oh, we love that verse. But understand this, man shall not live by one verse alone, but by every verse that exists in your Bible. It takes more than just Acts 2.38 to get saved. You know what else it takes to get saved? A verse that follows it in the very same chapter. Save yourselves from this perverse generation. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. It's time for you to repent of your sins. That's right, the secret sins that nobody knows about. Put down your porn. Quit fornicating. Quit committing adultery. Stop your lies. Stop the theft. Stop this. Stop that. Get on the path of righteousness. Live a holy life. Live a consecrated life. Get spiritual. Stop binge watching your TV and start binge reading your Bible. Quit stuffing your face at the dollar menu and start stuffing your face with prayer. Hello, I am Justin Gleason. And I tell you what, I have just about had it with this generation. I have just about had it with the times and the seasons that we are in. But I feel like really the only way for me to get a break from it all is to kind of express how I feel. You know, you've heard the old saying that talking always helps. Well, no, it doesn't. Talking doesn't help. But I tell you what always helps is praying about it. And I've been praying a lot about a lot of things that I have not spoken about in publicly. And I'm going to attempt to talk about what I've been feeling for the past several months here on Spirit Signal. It's one of the reasons why I created it. I hope it blesses you. I hope it uh, inspires you. I hope it uh, offers some insight maybe that you haven't thought about. If it uh, offends you, then it offends you. I make no apologies for what I'm going to be talking about today. I want to be talking about the past, specifically the past, uh, speaking of what has occurred uh, since March of 2020, talking about what is going on here in this present time, uh, around this time, July 9th, 2020, and what I feel is to befall us this coming fall. So, you're listening to Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Truth Radio app, and syndicated across just about every podcast app that you can imagine. We upload new episodes every Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, please subscribe. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, you probably are over 90% do. You, you want to know some stats, roughly about in the past three months, 91% listened to Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason on Apple Podcast, and then, and then 5% listen on Apple Watch, and the rest of the small, pitiful percentage listen on other apps. So yeah, all you Apple people, I guess we have just taken over the podcast world, but for all of you Android people, we love you. We love you. We're glad you're a part. We're glad you're able to find this on something else other than uh, Apple Podcasts. So uh, however you're listening to this, God bless you. Uh, welcome to The Signal. We're glad you're here. But if you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll down and uh, please consider leaving us a great review and rating. I listen or I read everything that you say. If you got a question, that's really the best place to put it. Uh, get, consider giving us a good rating, leaving us a review. Also, ask us a question there in the review box. And uh, hit that little subscribe button so you know when new episodes are coming out. Because uh, I know we publish every Thursday, but I've got a lot on my mind. My little journal is filling up with so many ideas. And I think we're going to have to take this to more than just Thursdays, possibly here and there. 
in the near future. If you'd like to stay connected uh, with me, you can reference uh, the description box in this episode. We're on Facebook pages, Instagram, and Twitter. I find that podcast listeners are loyal, smart, and delightful, so I hope that you and I will stay connected. I'm going to tell you what. The future of self-education belongs to books and podcasting. It does. That is how you are going to get smart. I know they got that YouTube out there, but YouTube is becoming the place of the degenerate mind. It, it, it truly is. It is robbing people of so much productivity. And you want to know this. Uh, tr- another thing is social media is doing that, too. But podcasting has been vetted. Podcast people out there are, are it takes a different mind to podcast than to make videos. Because it's not about what is visual, but about what is heard. And what is heard gets closer into your brain. And I like podcasting. I like doing audio. And I don't know if I'll ever do video. I might some days. I got people, not a lot, but a few here and there that would like me on video. Do you want to know a secret, everybody? I don't like the camera. I hate the camera. But, oh, I love the microphone. I love the microphone. So I, I want to be in your ear while you're driving while you're getting stuff done, while you're working. I don't want to rob your productivity, but I want to give you insight into the genre of religion and spirituality, God, Bible, and church, apostolic, Pentecostal, Christianity, oneness, spirit-filled, all of that, and occasionally what is going on in the earth today, which is what we are going to be talking about. Our time and season of pestilence and commotion. Our time and season of pestilence and commotion. Luke 21 and verse 9. Jesus said, but when you hear of wars and commotions, wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. And then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great famines or excuse me, there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from the heaven. Yeah, that's Jesus talking almost 2,000 years ago. And you look around in the world that we're living in, in the news, just open up any news app, any of them, liberal, conservative, doesn't matter. What do you see? Wars, (laughs) commotion, Nations rising against nation. I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm seeing famines, especially in East Africa. Pestilences, oh, all over the world right now. Fearful signs from the heavens. I mean, you look here and there. Planets are doing weird things. Eclipses are happening. Meteors, comets, asteroids. Planets aligning in strange ways. Black holes, galaxies doing weird things. All kinds of unusual sights in the sky. And not only that, but yes, yes, yes. Some of you are about to love what I'm about to say. Some of you are about to hate this and turn it off and say you're nuts. But UFOs. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that someday. UFOs. I'm just going to give you a short little quick idea. You know when UFOs were really sighted sighted all throughout the world? It was during World War II. Mm-hmm. It was during the time of Great War. The time uh, when Israel as a nation was reborn, a lot of shifting in the world's governmental systems. Yeah, people saw UFOs, and you know what? They're seeing them again. 
They sure are. There is stuff going on, and I don't believe for one minute that it's alien technology. I don't believe it's Russian technology. I believe it is simply activity in the spirit world, and there's just certain moments and certain times when there's certain shifts in the atmosphere and collisions between the natural and the supernatural. doesn't matter if you're Holy Ghost-filled or not. You will see activity in the spirit world. It happens with the naked eye. It happens on camera. It is here. It is there. It's everywhere. Every day in every way, we are seeing crazy things happening in the heavens and here on earth. That's why you've got to save yourself from this untoward, perverse generation. And the only way you can do that is to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. We were at ease. We were, at com- we were comfortable. We were happy as a people. I'm speaking of here in America. Here in the United States of the America, of America, I'm an American citizen. I'm very happy about that. I'm very proud of that. And I know we have listeners all throughout the world, and I hope you are just as proud as your nation and your country as I am. And what I'm about to, to, to tell you today in, in, in this content is relatable to the entire world, but from a cultural perspective, from a context context perspective, I am talking as an American and things that are happening here in the United States of America. In the USA, we have been enjoying Trump's economy. It's been fantastic. Jobs, 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 law and order, safety. Uh, ISIS is gone. There's uh, there's a lot of peace uh, throughout uh, the things that we share an interest with. Not perfect, never will be, won't be until we get into heaven, praise God, because it is perfect and it is going to come, the Lord Jesus says, praise God. But, uh, we were at ease, and I remember around uh, Christmas and New Year's time, I was sitting on the couch with my wife, and she looked at me and she said, "What's wrong? What is wrong?" She, my my wife knows when something is wrong. She just, she just, she just knows me too well, and I just looked at her and I said, "Nothing is wrong. That's the problem." And she kind of raised her eyebrows at me and she's like, "What do you mean?" I said, "Things are perfect. Things are amazing. It can't go on like this. Something has got to happen. I feel it." I knew 2020 would be an election year. Everybody was prophesying and saying, oh, it's the year of vision. Can I tell you this? God doesn't care about numbers and and idioms and things like that. 2020 means nothing to God. God has a different calendar, and he has a different occasion and a different purpose in what he wants to do in the earth other than what we think uh, the year is going to be. Okay? You know, you you take, for instance... um, Y2K in the year 2000. We thought the computers would crash. We thought everything would go wrong. Uh, Many of you still have distilled water and beans in your basement. I hope they're still fresh and they taste good. But, you know, God doesn't care. The the year 2000 doesn't mean anything in the eyes of God, okay? And the year 2020 doesn't mean anything in the eyes of God. He has a completely different prophetic calendar. And I didn't publicly speak it. I journaled it. I prayed about it. But I knew 2020 would not be a great year. I knew something was coming. I had no idea what. I don't know of anybody that knew of anything that would happen. Yeah, a few people have come out with their few dreams and their few prophecies. But you notice this, that just about everybody that's stated a prophetic word, they're like, okay, I told one or two people this. I, I did this. I did this. And and they say, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a dreamer. I, I, I don't know. This could be wrong. And they, and they tell their dream, and they tell what they think happened, what's going to happen. And, and it's just all of this, like, it's a dream of speculation. Let me tell you this. A true prophet, a true prophet never leaves himself or herself an out. If they've heard from God, they know it. If they say they could be wrong, they probably are, okay? Uh, you get all that for free, all right? Let's get back to the point here. Okay, I had no insight into what would come 
there here in the world. I remember hearing about a virus happening in China about a year ago, last year in July. I didn't think nothing of it. But then all of a sudden, March 2020 came and boom, COVID-19, the coronavirus, the China virus, whatever you want to call it, I don't care. It just appeared all over America in our major cities and a lot of little rural communities. I heard a horrible story about a small town down in Arkansas. Nearly uh, it wiped out half of a small church. It's just a horrible situation. How in the world did COVID-19 get down there in, in the beautiful countryside of Arkansas? How did it happen? How did it happen? I mean, it's just everywhere. It looks like bioterrorism to me. And, I'm, and I've been praying for our, our officials, our governing officials, our military to find out all of these things and to do something about it. And there's no doubt in my mind that they will. But I want to share with you a encounter I had with the Lord that I have not really talked about on Spirit Signal. Just briefly, just mentioned it. What I'm about to give you is was for our local church and other churches around us here in the Midwest. I told it to our local church. Uh, it was recorded uh, on on a, on a Facebook Live uh, two times on a Facebook Live. I told this word to our pastor and members of our of our pastoral staff, and I'm going to share it with you. Our last gathering together here in our local church was on Sunday, March 15th. Evangelist Tyler Sullivan was preaching for us. It was a powerful church service, but you could just feel the um, the just, um, it, it, it was just uncomfortable. Everybody's mind was on that sickness and disease, you know, we, and before even the social distancing order was put in place, people were social distancing. It was just like inside of us. There was really no laying on of hands or anything. We just knew something was up, but bless God, we prayed and it was a great service, uh, uh, to end on. And, and it was, that was a, a weekend for our youth group. And you know what, during this COVID-19, this youth group here in this local church, has stepped up and done a lot of great things through social media and other things to keep uh, the message and the gospel alive. So shout out to Vindicated Student Ministries and their amazing leader, the greatest youth pastor of all time, Nathan Santo Mieri. Great youth group, great people, great generation, great youth group to go, to grow up in. But I'll tell you what, that week I was in the deepest state of melancholy I have ever been in. I couldn't talk. I couldn't think. I was blanking out. I was like in the biggest fog and the biggest funk. And I, I mean, we had a staff meeting together that Tuesday night, and there was seriously some of us that are thinking, okay, are we ever going to ever get together back together as a church again? I felt that. I'm sure you did. Some of us saw, thought that this was the end, that this this is the end. This is our extinction. COVID-19 is going to wipe out the world. I could feel all those things, and I was thinking about those things. And I just, all I could do was pray. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, what else can you do? Talk to the Lord. God knows. God will help. God will save you. And I remember complaining to the Lord that week. I'm like, God, what are we going to do? We're having to go to online church. This is strange. This is weird. How how can the Holy Ghost move through, <laughs> through the internet? How are we going to be able to stay together? People aren't going to watch this. You know, church is, is great face to face. You know, and I had all these complaints. You know, it's something I, you know, when you get to pray and you get to know your Holy Ghost, you know what the Holy Ghost feels. You know when the Holy Ghost is on high alert. You know when the Holy Ghost is moving. You know when the Holy Ghost is concerned. You know when the Holy Ghost is doing all these things. I tell you what, I've never felt the Holy Ghost worried. I've never felt God uh, in great distress. No, He never worries. He is never faint hearted. He is never any of those things, but He lives in con continued confidence because He's God and that's how He is. But let me tell you what happened to me on Sunday, March. 22nd, Sunday, March 22nd. And like I said, what I have told you 
It has been archived on the Life Church of Kansas City uh, Facebook. If you want to go back and see our videos, I announced this to this church. My father, Stan Gleason, is a witness of this. Nathan Santomieri is a witness of this. Justin Larmy uh, and Nathan Santomieri and some others. They are witnesses of this, what my testimony of this, and I'm giving it to you now. It may help you. It may bless your church. It may not. I don't know, but I'm going to tell it to you. On Sunday, March 22nd, I was asleep on my left side, and I was awakened by a tapping on my right shoulder. I thought my wife was trying to wake me up that I slept in. It was, it was our first Sunday that we were going to be online. We had closed the doors, no church, just platform team and production team. That is it. I was not looking forward to it. I didn't know what to expect. None of us were that excited about it. But I felt a tapping on my shoulder. I thought my wife was waking up or one of my children was waking me up. And I opened my eyes and the angel of the Lord stood before me next to me at my bedside. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, some will die, most will live. In 60 days, the church shall regather, followed by 60 days of slowly reopening. And thereafter, 60 days of recovery. There will be three pandemics. Some will say four. The vision then ended. You know, when, whenever something like that happens, it's happened to me in the past, you literally, after it ends, you feel like you just woke up. And when God talks to you like that, when God puts you in a place like that, you feel like you went to sleep and you woke up. The Lord takes you into his realm, in his higher realm of the spirit. I got dressed. I went to church. I was astounded at the vision. I really did not even know what to think. I wrote it down. I tried to remember every aspect of it I could. And I told my dad and the other individuals that I just listed for you. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it meant. I held on to it. But I'll tell you this. A lot of that has already come to pass. Sadly, Sadly, some have died. Great men and women have died because of COVID-19. And many right now are still sick with COVID-19, fighting for their life. And God knew it. God understood it. Some would die. But thank the Lord, most will live. That's why I'm telling you, church, do not think for one minute that you are exempt from COVID-19. Do not speak out of your mouth or say within your heart, the Lord will protect me from this. Because those who have said it have spoken that in the spirit of pride. It is the spirit of pride. I believe that COVID-19 is an occasion of the Lord. It was worked by men, but it's an occasion of the Lord. It has a purpose. It has a real purpose. God is using it to fulfill his will and purpose in the earth. Yes, he is. Let me ask you this, all of you that insist, God is going to protect us. God is going to protect us. Well, what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? God does and he does not. God can and sometimes he will not. That is the way God works. That's why you've got to take care of yourself. Social distance. Wash your hands like a surgeon. Don't go into public buildings unless you have to. Think about yourself. Think about your wife. Think about your children. Think about your future. You have got to take care of yourself. Be responsible. Be responsible. Let God do what he does, and you do your part. Amen. That is the word of wisdom for you. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, In 60 days the church shall regather. Our last Sunday together here in our local church, the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri, our last Sunday was March 15th. 60 days passed, and we regathered 
May 17th in the year 2020. Praise God. We are still in the slowly reopening phase. 60 days has not quite passed yet. And thereafter, 60 days of slow recovery. It's coming. It's coming. It's going to be fulfilled. This word and this vision has helped this church. This word and this vision has helped us. We need the prophetic to flow in this day and this time. During this season of plague, during this season of pestilence, and during this season of commotion. The churches that have had the prophetic flow strong on their churches, they have survived. They have been able to be directed. We have needed wisdom more than anything. Like evangelist Bobby Wade has said, during this time, we simply need wisdom how to navigate. I tell you what, there are a lot of pastors who did absolutely nothing during COVID-19, during the time of quarantine. Literally did nothing, closed up everything, no online anything. This was a perfect opportunity for pastors, ministries, to have a great presence on social media. Who cares if it doesn't look right? Can I tell you this? Some of my favorite preachers on social media right now are guys in the corner of their house with their iPhone turned sideways. Some of the greatest preachers out there are from these rural towns that are having revivals that we don't even know about that have had no need to really have a presence on social media because their church don't sit at home. They all get up and come to the house of God every Sunday and Wednesday night. Uh Uh-huh. But for you guys out there that did nothing, you've got to start doing something. Get it together. Get it together. Because another pandemic is probably certain to come. But a lot of churches that did nothing, their churches became very disenchanted with their pastor and their church. And the church sadly became disunified. It happened. It's sad. You've got to learn to be instant in season and out of season. I'll tell you what our local church did. We had a phone team and we were calling people and checking up on people and staying connected through the power of the phone, the power of texting, through the power of social media, the power of the internet, the power of email, all of those things. Uh, our, our senior pastor, my dad, did a, a, a Zoom meeting with the church, coffee with the pastor. There's so many churches out there that were so creative and so smart with this and so much wisdom and following the prophetic word of the Lord. It's just amazing how well we have survived and and businesses have done this. And we're going to come out of this. The churches that wanted to have revival, they're going to have revival. The people that want to be spiritual, they're going to be spiritual. The churches that want to sit and do nothing, that's your fate. Nothing. Nothing is for you. Absolutely nothing. You have got to do something. My bishop, Brian Parkey, he preached to our state before all of this. He said, you may not be able to do everything, but you can do something. That was a word. That was a word, and it's a word now. Do something. I'll tell you what else this has done. The preachers who preach and depend on hype and audience feedback, that type of atmosphere, did not survive during all of this. (laughs) It is very difficult to hype the people through the phone. I'm sorry, you're sitting on your couch, you're sitting in your lazy boy drinking coffee, watching preaching, you're probably not going to jump up and shout. You may type in a few comments if you feel it, but for the most part, most viewers want to do so passively. They don't want to engage on the phone. They just want to sit, watch, and listen, okay? They want to go back and check their own social media, then they'll come back and watch you. They're not going to engage. But the ministers who truly know how to teach the word and preach the word with depth and with content 
and with great interpretation and great application, they have excelled during this time. That's the way the early church preached. It was not about hype. It was not about getting the audience psyched up. It was about sound doctrine. That's how this thing survived. Come on, somebody. All right? For those of us that can preach without amens, we're doing it. We're surviving. And hopefully it's kind of changed preachers in in the way that they approach. Okay? So, yeah, COVID-19 did all of that. So, again, I believe it's smart to social distance. Anyone can get COVID-19. We have been asked to wear masks. Uh, The mask restrictions end for us here in our county, set by our mayor this coming Sunday at 11.59 p.m., and I'm so happy. I, I don't like the mask. I don't. But I'm not one of those people that believes it's government oppression. There's some that do, and I respect that. It certainly could lead to that. Yeah, it certainly could. But I, I've prayed. I, I fasted. I saw it in the Holy Ghost. This is not government oppression. This is not the government trying to control people. This is the government trying to control the plague. You know, in some pockets of the country, they have asked people to quit singing. I, I get that, okay? I get that. You know, you're, you're singing. I mean, have you seen people sing in church? I mean, spit is flying everywhere. I mean, you could smell their breath uh, three rows away. Yeah, I get it. COVID-19 could spread in that way. I understand that. And, I, I mean, I saw one of our elite evangelists uh, over the weekend screaming and hollering, no, 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 it's time for us to all say no, you know, and, and this is, it, it was evangelist Victor Jackson. It's actually a very powerful video. All his stuff is, I, lo- I love him, phenomenal ministry, and, and for Brother Jackson, <laughs> to, to, to start, uh, you know, pushing back, that that tells you where we're at as a, as a people. But yeah, they're trying to stop our singing. I don't think that's permanent. I think they're trying to do everything that they can to stop the plague. Everything they can to stop the plague. And we are in a season right now, church, where we have to do with what Jesus said in some of his original teachings at the Sermon on the Mount. Agree with your adversaries. Agree with their, your adversaries. If they strike you on the cheek, don't feel like you're above reproach. Give them the other one. Don't let them provoke you. If they say go a mile, go with them too. If they, they want your cloak, give them your outer garment as well. Compliance is wisdom during all of this. Compliance is wisdom during all of this. And we're going to get through this. And I believe that COVID-19, as mysteriously as it came, it is going to mysteriously leave. If COVID-19 wasn't enough... Uh, all of the commotion that has happened uh, surrounding uh, the killings of certain individuals in this country. Um, you know, I've seen the videos. You've seen the videos. Uh, of course, like Brother Bernard says, we're not going to make any judgments because Christian people are to be slow of judgment. We are not officials. We leave this in the hands of our justice system. And, of course, we believe in free speech and uh, always make your opinions known. But uh, there has been a lot of talk of our response to racism in this day and time. And what I call the 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 idea of all of the racism and that conversation, the riots, the looting, the protests, the vandalisms, all of that, the the the, the violence uh, within certain communities, uh, all of the, the police brutality, all all, uh, the conflicts, the wars between police and civilians, all of that, I sum it up in the biblical word commotion. That's what God calls it. It is all simply uh, commotion. So I want to talk about these things. 
our response to racism, that has been the subject on, on many uh, conversations on social media, many sermons and things like that. And you know what? I believe in having this conversation. I think it is something to talk about. And I have actually learned a lot in, in watching black people, Hispanic people, white people, Native Americans through comments and other things, reading, watching, and listening, and how to be more sensitive as a people. Because let me tell you this, God gave us skin color. Skin color didn't come from the devil. It didn't come from mankind. It came from God. Language came from God. All of these things came from God. And we cannot be mocking each other's God-created attributes, how our hair looks, how our eyes look, how our skin looks, the shape of our faces, and things like that. We cannot be doing things to degrade, to demoralize, uh, to anything, to shame people for their ethnicity. And uh, I can just see the church and the culture getting so much better about this because why offend somebody over their skin color? Uh, that does not help. That disunifies. It, it, it's uncomfortable. It, it fragments. And it's not good, and it's not the direction that America needs to go in, certainly not the direction of the church uh, that needs to go in. So uh, we need to be careful with our words and what we say. You know, uh, don't hurt somebody because of their skin color. Now, if they're misbehaving, they're out of order, they're out of control, of course, correct them. But, uh, you know, skin color is precious. Our ethnicity is precious. I believe uh, that God made us all diverse, a diverse people. But, uh, I, you know, growing up as a kid, um, you know, I, I grew up in in the white suburbs of Kansas City. But uh, there, were, there was uh, uh, people that were not white in my school. And uh, at recess, played with everybody, got along with everybody. Um, never, never got in, in any trouble with any racism. You know, I've, I've been around racist jokes. Can I say, I haven't heard one since I was a teenager. I think people quit that. We let that go. We realize that jokes hurt like that and we don't want to be like that. I mean, think about this. If you're white listening to this, do you want a black person making white jokes? No, you don't. That's just not the way we need to be treating each other. Uh, I've had many jobs. I, I worked in restaurants. Uh, that were really diverse, got along great with everybody. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we have an actual ministry in our church dedicated to multicultural ministries, and the leadership of it and the people associated with it are absolutely delightful. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's it's great. You're seeing it now uh, across the United Pentecostal Church uh, on the platforms and the leadership. It it is becoming more and more diverse and that is a beautiful thing. And it's a right thing, the direction that we need to go in. So, uh, is racism alive in the world? Absolutely. It's alive just as much as murder is just as much as adultery is. There is sin everywhere in the world. It's, it's there. This is the world. And I know that's going to go away until Jesus comes. Okay. But, uh, let me just tell you kind of my thoughts about this. All right. The Gleasons came to this land in 1604. Thomas Gleason uh, came over here. That was before the Mayflower, actually. Came over here to this land, and we've been here. So we view ourselves as American. Uh, we wanted to get away from Europe, come here to the to the newfound land, into the American colonies, now known as the United States of America. I really don't want to be known as an Irish American or a European American. I am very comfortable with white American. If you even want to call me Caucasian, that's fine, or white boy. That doesn't bother me at all. But I want to tell you what my family, I believe, has done a lot of things to pursue peace in this country, to treat people fairly in this country, and we have pursued equality in this country. 
my great-great-grandpa, Orion Allen Gleason, was a Union combat veteran, a Union Civil War combat veteran. He killed a lot of Confederates. He did. He sure did. Yes, he did. And that's sad to think about, and even I'm kind of getting emotional and melancholy to even think about that, the the horrors of war that this country had. There was really nothing civil about it, but, um, you know, that's my family history. My family never made a dime off slavery. That's why I really don't believe in reparations. If we're going to do reparations, why not go after the families and the companies that actually profited from slavery? The Gleasons never profited from slavery. Oh, no. We never did that. We were against it. We believe that God made all men equal. We believe that no man should own another man. Humanity is above an animal. Humanity is made in the image of God. We believed in freedom, and we have believed in in liberty. This is uh, what my mom and dad taught me. This is what my grandparents taught them. Uh, We have been a people of peace, getting along with everybody of different skin colors, different cultures, and we are still... Uh, following the same footsteps. That's what I'm going to teach my children to continue to teach them to love uh, absolutely uh, everybody. Okay? And you should be doing the same thing. That's how we're going to get along and dwell peaceably with everybody. There's been a lot of talk of systemic racism. Does it exist? I, I don't doubt it at all. I don't doubt it at all. It, it is there. I've personally never seen it, but other people have. Good, trustworthy people that have talked about it, and I certainly believe them. Systemic racism exists. There's also people saying systemic white hate exists. I, I don't doubt that at all. I'm sure it's out there. Systemic cop hate. All of these systemic ideas out there, systemic hatred for this and that, it is all there. The thing about it is, and I'm speaking as a citizen and also as a Christian, all of these things are very difficult to prove and they are very difficult to solve. What I think the act of wisdom is, is don't get caught up in the middle of any of it. Be fair. Treat people with respect. Love people. And sure, speak out your opinions. Speak out your concerns. Do so in a conversation manner. Do so in a loving manner. And it's amazing how many people you will get to listen to you. But there are other people out there. How, how should we respond to racism? There are other people out there that think we, we ought to yell and scream, racism, racist, racist, racist. Well, <laughs> you know, I get it. You know, when you need to stop something right in the very act, I understand that. But the Bible, how are we going to treat racism? Treat it like any sin. The Bible says be slow to judge. Judge any sin. I I mean, if you knew of somebody that was caught in adultery, would you walk into the church and start screaming, adulterer, adulteress? I mean, would you do it just like the Pharisees and Jesus, you know, when they brought that woman to him? Is that what you want to do? Is that what you want to do? Everybody you think's a racist, grab him by the arm, drag him to the altar and yell, racist, 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 and try to cast the racism out of them? Of course you wouldn't do that. Of course you wouldn't do that. Racism, the sin of racism, people will go to hell over racism It is hatred, it is mean, bigotry, all of that. It's not in the heart of God. Be slow to judge it. Be slow to judge it. Go about it with wisdom. Sound doctrine and biblical teaching is the only answer for this. And thankfully, so many of you have. So many people have spoken out about this, and it's been an absolute delight to listen to. 
and I've learned from it. I've been ed- educated about it, but uh, some people are, are speaking out of offense, out of bitterness, and nobody's listening to you. So you need to stop that and start teaching in the same manner uh, that Jesus would as the apostles did concerning all of this. Uh, concerning this uh, the, uh, silence hatred is what I want to call it. There's been a lot of people out there that are just yelling at the top of their lungs at how horrible silence is about this. Can I tell you this? And, and I haven't been completely silenced about this. I've spoken out a little bit of this. I really haven't done a lot of social media on this. I haven't done a lot of stuff on Spirit Signal about, about this. But I have had conversations with friends. Conversations with people uh, so, that I'm associated with about this. And that's really the, be, the, be, the best way to do it face-to-face. That way nothing's misinterpreted. And you really will touch a lot of hearts in that way. But, you know, a lot of people were not silent. They simply just listened. And that was wise. They learned something. Can I tell you this? I know of people who have been friends for like 25 years, and they have gotten into arguments over these, uh, over what happened down in Georgia, the citizens' arrest. They've gotten in arguments with what happened in Minneapolis with the police. They've gotten arguments in other pockets of the country. Arguments over what they feel is right, what they feel is wrong, what they feel is law, what they feel is order, what they feel is this, what they feel is that. People who have been best friends, preachers who have preached for each other, gone on vacations with each other. Their kids love each other. They, 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 uh, kids in their youth groups, their hyphen groups have intermarried each other uh, church to church. Good friends. Guys have literally got into arguments over this stuff and they're not talking anymore. I mean, is it worth it? Is it worth it to argue and to have contention over this? I don't think so. It has been a subject of so much contention and hot blood, as it were. And come on, that ain't right. That's what the devil wants. So you know what? Sometimes being silent is smart. Is it worth it losing friends? It's not. We need friendships right now in these last days. We've got to stay together. You know what? Maybe some of you are glad you lost friends. Maybe some of you are staying so strong and standing firm on what you believe. Well, pretty soon, I mean, and and those type of people think they're the smartest people in the room, the smartest people on a forum. Pretty soon, you're going to be the only person there. Everybody's going to walk away from you because you just rant and raved and you won't stop talking about it. Can I tell you this? Something my grandpa Gleason said, a mighty teacher and preacher, a Bible college professor. He said, if you emphasize everything, you emphasize nothing. So maybe you need to take a break from talking about racism. Nobody wants anything crammed down their throat. If that's all you're talking about, that's all you're speaking about, that's all you're posting about, people by now are probably getting very, very tired of it. Okay? You might need to move on. You might need to wait and bring it up bits and pieces. Can I tell you this? The best preaching is spoon feeding. It's served in bite size. Okay? Small bites. Small bites of it. That's how you will change people. That's, that's, that's how you will uh, impact that's how I try to do it. That's how I try to live. And uh, so far, it's been very effective. Okay. And then the, uh, during all of this, there's been so many fake sympathizers. People who took the opportunity just to simply look good. And it's very obvious. Because people aren't who they say they are. They, have who, they are who they have always been. They are who they have always been. And your fruit, the fruit that you have, speaks louder than your words. And for those of you out there that pandered, that spoke great swelling words, you appear to look important, you appear to look smart, we're on to you, okay? And we're going to be nice, 
We're going to be polite. We're not going to be debating, but we're on to you. We know what you're doing and you need to stop it. You need to stop it. That's hypocrisy. Stop being fake. Uh, let's talk about stereotypes. I, I remember first hearing that word when I was in fourth grade and my mind went to, to my radio in my room, a stereotype. What type of stereo do you have? And, uh, <laughs> I, I don't really like that word. I don't really like to use it. <sighs> Drinking an Americano this morning. It is absolutely delicious. But I, I like the the idea, and it's a it's a good word. I, I I understand what it means. It's necessary, but I also like to say common characteristics by association. Nobody likes to be stereotyped. Nobody likes to do be stereotyped. But how you respond to it will either make or break you. Okay. I get it out there. I get it out there. And in conversations, hearing from my black brothers or sisters, this is something that really hurts. And one of the most common things I hear is especially from my black friends when they say they walk into a store and the store owner behind the cash register looks at them bad. They, looks at them, they look at them like they're suspicious. They think they're going to rob the place. Okay, I get that. I wouldn't like that either. I understand that. All right? You know what? I, I come from an Irish background. If, if you've seen what I look like, I'm very Irish looking, the way my face is shaped. I've got brown hair and a red beard. That's very a very common trait of the Irish. Uh, <laughs> and and I've, just, I've just had people like that, you know, talk to me. And Gleason is an Irish name, son of Gly. Uh, we probably uh, came from uh, the Scandinavian nations. A lot of them used son at the, the end of their last name. And uh, Glee, uh, we probably think it means green, the, the son of green. We probably came from the green fields of Ireland. I, I really don't know. But you know what? Irish, yes, they like to drink and they love potatoes. <laughs> but can I tell you this? I don't drink. I don't drink alcohol. I drink coffee. I drink Dr. Pepper. Okay? I don't drink beer. I don't drink hard liquor. Potatoes, yes, every once in a while I could enjoy a large fry. Okay? You know, this, this, the same, this, these type of stereotypes exist with, with uh, Russian people, German people, all of these things commonly associated with it. And sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it, 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 uh, it hurts because, you know, nobody wants to be labeled. You know, nobody wants to be prejudged. Okay. That, that hurts, you know, especially when it comes to skin color, not so much culture or nationality, nationality, but skin color that, that, that just cuts deep to the heart and to the soul, you know, for, you know, my black friends saying that, you know, they're honest, they're wor working a hard job, they, t they love their wife, they love their kids, and they walk into a store and immediately everybody thinks they're there to rob the place. You know, and I get that, and thankfully I think the country is uh, shifting in, in a different direction and to that. What do I think you can do? Well, you can't really change other people, but the thing that you can do is change yourself. The thing you can do is change yourself and control and rule your own spirit. And uh, you want to keep going forward. You want to keep achieving, keep being successful. Don't be offended. Don't be bitter because that usually what slows you down. Can I tell you this? I have been stereotyped in my life. Not really for my skin color, but you want to know what I've been stereotyped for my entire life? Being a pastor's son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the stereotypes are there. Oh, yeah. And I guarantee you need to be gentle on your pastor's kids, okay? And what, what I'm about to tell you, some of you are probably going to laugh and go, oh, my Lord, that is totally my pastor's son. 
Pastors, kids, and what I'm talking about is from the time they are uh, maybe five years old to, you know, in their in their hyphen age, their early to mid-20s. Pastors, kids often cause division in the children's ministry, in the youth group, and the hyphen group. They usually know how to rally everybody around themselves to gang up on the youth pastor, gang up on the teacher. The youth pastor is doing something they don't like. And they get everybody around them because their dad's the actual leader of the church. And they usually know how to raise up a little rebellion in the children's ministry or in the youth group. Uh, Yeah, pastor's kids do that quite often. They sure do. You know what else they do? They typically don't respect other leadership in the church. They don't like the choir director. They don't like the head usher. They're typically very snappy and got a big mouth towards other leadership in the church they think because their dad's in charge they are in charge they think because their dad's in charge uh that they they are also the pastor just as their dad is the pastor they are also the bishop of that entire congregation so you so you have that and and sadly a lot of this stuff gets gets into pastor's wives oh yes it does pastor's wives also think says their husband is the pastor Uh uh-uh we pastor we are the pastor not a good idea pastor's wives cut that out and pastor's kids you need to cut that out Okay, pastor's kids are also known for uh, sleeping around, lying down with other girls in the youth group. Yeah. Fornicating with the whole youth group, getting a few of them pregnant. Do pastor's sons do this? A lot of them have. A lot of them have. And then sadly, probably the worst thing of all is after they get in trouble, after they raise a minor insurrection, after they fornicate and spread sin all throughout the youth group, they suffer no consequences. They're still up there giving testimonies and little sermonettes. They're still up there singing in the choir. They're still up there playing in on the drums. Those are the stereotypes associated with pastor's kids. And have I been stereotyped in these things? Oh, you better believe it. But can I tell you this? It never discouraged me. It never offended me. I did not backslide over it. But instead, you know what? I said within myself, I am not going to be that. And you know what? I never raised a rebellion in children's ministry. I never gathered a group or rallied around me against a youth pastor. I have been respectful to other church leadership. I have never fornicated and I've never committed adultery by the grace of God. I was not perfect. I did things that a teenage son, a church, an apostolic son, a pastor's son should not do. I never fornicated, never committed adultery. But I got involved in other sins and in, in other places of trouble. And you want to know what? My dad didn't look the other way. When I got in trouble and offended somebody, I had to stand up and apologize for it. I had to humble myself. I was grounded. I got taken off the platform for a month one time. I did. I had to suffer the consequences, and I believe I turned out okay, and all of my siblings have, because of how things were around here, the culture of it. But when I go to youth camps, youth conferences, oh, yeah, people look at you differently when they find out you're a pastor's son. Oh, yeah. You know what? I rise above that. I rise above that. I never got angry. You know what? I carry myself well. I try not to look suspicious. I try not to do things or associate with other people that act in that manner. And believe me, I had other pastors, sons, friends, PK friends that did all of that. And sometimes people would be just suspicious with by who you hang out with. So if you're stereotyped, consider carrying yourself better. Rise above it. Your reputation will always precede you. If your friends are involved in all of that stuff, it's time to let go of those people. Maybe you need to move. Maybe you need to get to another church, whatever. And I'm speaking of anybody who feels like they are stereotyped. Let's talk about police brutality and a police hate. 
a lot of this, I really think, is about the police. You know, a, a lot of uh, the conversation about racism and a lot of that, a lot of this is based upon how the police are treating people, how police are treating certain ethnicities in this country, okay? And I understand that. I believe police brutality is real. Every type of sin out there exists. You name it, it's out there in the world. It is there. And you know what? There is a detective that lives in my neighborhood. <laughs> and uh, my wife was out was out taking our children on a walk. And uh, she uh, stopped and talked to him. And uh, he was telling her, yeah, I've, ha- I've had to go into downtown Kansas City and, and help uh, suppress some of the riots and things. And th- thankfully... Uh, the riots didn't get that much out of control. Yes, some property was uh, damaged, but uh, I, I tell you what, there was some store owners down there that lined up in the front uh, with their assault rifles, and uh, pfft, there was no robbery, nothing done. People kept on walking, so uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, you get the point. But this detective said regarding uh, the shooting in Minneapolis, he said, you know what that was, and this is a detective speaking, he said that was one idiot cop and one idiot civilian. Okay, that may have offended you. I understand. But in some ways, that is true. In some ways, that business only results and it is only applicable to that situation. Okay? That situation, that people. It was a quarrel between two individuals. But I get it. There have been other cases of this, and when you see it on the internet, oh, it just infuriates you. It makes you so mad at the cops. Now, my wife did not make any comments. I don't even think she actually agrees with that. She just said, okay, kids, let's just keep walking. All right? You know, I get it. Cops have a hard job, and I think we should do everything we can to help them do their job. Can I tell you this? I don't like police brutality, all right? But I want my cops to be tough. I want them to be tough. And I want them to be respected. How else are they able to stand up for law and order if they're not tough and they're not respected? Okay, a lot of their business, we don't understand it because we don't know the details. And that goes for the mayors and the governors and the presidents, our governing officials. A lot of the decisions they have to make, they know details that we don't. And can I tell you this? That goes along, uh, uh, along with churches. Your pastor is making decisions that you may not like, but if you knew the details that he knew, you'd understand. But he can't divulge those details because it would be uh, secrets exposed uh, regarding somebody else. Love covers a multitude of sin. Okay? We get it. But yeah, we're, we're praying for the police. We're praying for the civilians. But can I tell you this, it just seems to me, and this is the wisdom I've been talking about here, if you're not involved in crime, the cops will probably leave you alone, okay? But if they pull you over, my dad taught me, if just if they pull you over, you put your hands right on the steering wheel so they can see you at all times. You say yes, yes sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. You say all of those things, you respect them, you answer their questions, you don't ask them any questions, you do what you're told. If you respect them, and you listen to them, and you do what they say, they will leave you alone, all right? But if they want you to get out of your car, you get out of the car. If they if they want to poke around in your car, it's a good idea to, to let them. If you got nothing in your car, they're going to search, figure it out, and they're going to let you go on your way. That's the teachings Jesus taught. Turn the other cheek. Go with them another mile. It was talking about how the Jews interact with their Roman enemies. <laughs> Jesus said if you turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, they're not going to throw you in jail. <laughs> You're going to get to go home with your family, Okay. Don't have an attitude with the cops. I don't care if you feel like your rights are infringed upon. 
Once they figure out that you're not a problem, they're going to let you go. This is how cops work. And I think the more we comply with them, the more crime will be solved. That's how Rudy Giuliani did that in New York City. Took the crime down way low. Put all those old Italian mafia gangsters in jail. You know how he did it? The Italian civilians complied with the surveillance of the police. They said, sure, tap our wire lines, set up shop in our houses, spy, do what you got to do. And because they complied, they were able to catch them all. And how we're going to catch criminals is if we comply with the cops. You know, do whatever you got to do. Respect them, okay? All right? Don't be offended at the cops. They're there for a reason. Their power comes from man, and there's a certain element of it that comes from God. I don't really like to trust people that are disrespectful to cops or people that are disrespectful to their parents. They're probably going to be disrespectful to you. They're not to be trusted and they're not to be uh, your friends. People that don't like cops, they there's reasons for that. There's reasons for that. There's sin there. There's crime there. There's some fault there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all there. You can tell a lot about by a man or woman by their fruits. So don't hate on the cops. But then also, yes, if, if you're disgruntled the way a cop treated you, write letters to your government. Appear at the courthouse. Do what you can in a respectful manner to express your concerns, and they are probably going uh, to listen to you. But can I tell you this? During all, all of the commotion, I have been impressed with our police. It is the police who have turned the other cheek in all of this. I mean, you look at the videos. They're lined up in front of the police station. They don't have their guns drawn. They're not pointing the gun at anybody. They're just standing there. In, 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 in just a calm, collected manner, just standing there, and people are yelling at them. Have you heard the biblical phrase, gnashing of teeth? I have seen gnashing of teeth, unlike I've ever seen in my lifetime, with how people are yelling at these cops, blowing their pot smoke in their face, uh, sp- uh, with cans of spray paint, spraying spray paint at them, all types of sprays, throwing things at them, yelling horrible things at them, lighting their cars on fire doing all kinds of insane, disrespectful things to cops. You know what the cops did? Absolutely nothing. Until it got out of control, then they did something. All right, so I commend the police for turning the other cheek. All of these people that are disgruntled, they let them, the cops let them speak their peace, and God bless them for it. But can I tell you what I believe this is all about? The root of all of this, this is about dismantling the local police of communities, which it's so hard for me to believe because the left, the liberals, they're all about community. All of the communities, all of the communities, they love communities. Why are they trying to get rid of police in the local community? I'll tell you why. They want a nationalized police force. Why do they want a nationalized police force? What does the deep state want? What does the new world order want? A national police force. Why? So it can be easily controlled by one man. Boom. That is what all of this is about. So you got to know the root of all things. That's why you're listening to Spirit Signal. We offer you spiritual insight of what is really going on. So love your police. They'll love you back. Respect your police. They'll respect you back. I've had a lot of cops help me in in times of trouble. Police have been good for me. Um, uh, My father is a chaplain in our local police department. We celebrate the police here at our local church. And uh, we uh, we are praying for them. They do a great job. And they're the only thing between us and the insane left. They're the only thing between us and all of the mayhem out there. Oh, yeah. All, 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 all of you middle-aged white moms out there that are hating on the police. Oh, who do you think is going to come and save you when your house is getting robbed? 
who do you think is going to come and save you when your children are kidnapped? Uh-huh. So don't hate on your police. Love your police. They do good. They are a force of good. Oh, yeah. Sure, there's a few bad cops out there. Because even among the best, you will find the worst. There sure are. But uh, the police department is really good about finding that, flushing that out, and getting rid of it. Yeah. That's right. Flushing it. Flush it. Protests. Oof. Protests. I've never protested a day in my life. I've never gotten involved in any type of activism uh, down there. I, I just like to pray and talk. Uh, if you're a protester, God bless you. You are welcome to listen to Spirit Signal. You are my brother in Christ. I don't think protesting is a sin at all by any means. It is your right. There's nothing wrong with talking. There's nothing wrong with yelling. It doesn't, it doesn't say thou shalt not protest. But I'm tired of hearing the word peaceful protests. Uh, peace is a very special word for me. It comes from God. It's a God thing. Only really God can give it. I'm tired of hearing peaceful protests. I don't think protests are peaceful at all. They're not designed to be peaceful. You know what's peaceful is people walking down the sidewalk, going in and out of shops, going in and out of restaurants, enjoying their city, enjoying their community, and not yelling at other people for them to hear hear what they have to say, okay? Even if you're not, okay, there, there's un, unpeaceful protests, you know, there are, excuse me, there's violent protests, which is uh, robbery, theft, arson, vandalism, all of that, okay? You can protest without doing those things, but I'm tired of it. people calling it peaceful. I don't like that. It's my opinion. I don't like that. Why? Because protests are designed to disrupt. They are designed to draw attention. That's what a protest is. It is disrupting the peace of mind of anybody who is around you. You think about this, guys. You take a nice girl out on a date. You're trying to make a good impression. You have dressed up nice. She looks nice. You like her. You want to date her. You want to get engaged, and you want to get married. You want all that. And you're on your first date. You're walking down the street downtown to a nice steakhouse, and you look over, and you see a bunch of people with hardly any clothes on. They're sweaty. They're nasty. They stink. They've got signs. They've got spray-painted hair, and they're yelling and chanting uh, their protest. Do you feel at peace with that? Sure, maybe it might scare your date and she might grab your arm a little tight. You might like that. Mm-hmm. But no, for the most part, you're like, uh, let's go and walk down another sidewalk. Okay, protesting is not designed for peace. It's designed to aggravate. It's designed to get in your face. It's designed to hijack the calmness and the quietness of a community so that uh, people will listen. That is what the protest of the national anthem is all about. The national anthem was once a respected, holy, solemn, actually not holy, but a solemn moment, a solemn, special moment uh, for Americans at ball games, school assemblies, things like that. And so, so is the Pledge of Allegiance. Let me ask you this, Apostolics, while the pledge is being uh, done at your, at your favorite sporting event, a baseball game, an NFL game, a hockey game, whatever. In the middle of that, a national anthem. Have any of you jumped up on your seat, started waving your hands, and started saying, You all are going to hell! Repent of your sins! Be baptized! I'll take you to the fountain out right now! I'll baptize you in the fountain out here in front of the stadium. Have any of you ever done that? No. Well, isn't Acts 2.38 true? Of course it is. Isn't the gospel true? Of course it is. But is that what Jesus really wants us to do, to disrupt with our message of the gospel? Is he really wanting us to protest and aggravate and hijack the attention of everybody that is on something as special as our American flag and the anthem? No, God isn't wanting us to do that. It's not the spirit of Christ. And that is why I don't like the national anthem protest. No. If you believe in priest brutality, speak out. 
Get on the street corner. Hold up a sign. Blow up your social media with it. Uh, start texting people. Make phone calls. Do whatever you got to do. Put up door hangers. I don't care. But don't ever disrupt. Don't ever disrupt the the American national anthem. That's not the time and place for that. And can I tell you this? The deep spiritual meaning of of all of this. That what is deeper here? The wisdom that I feel. Whenever somebody truly does not have a message, they have to disrupt an audience to communicate that message. <laughs> That's right. All of the attention, everybody's quiet, everybody's focused on the flag, everybody's focused on the song, and that is the only place you can really get anybody to listen or hear you with your fist up in the air or down on a knee. That tells me you have no message. Nobody's listening to you, so you've got to hijack the attention all on yourself. Mm-hmm. There are certain types of people that will not participate in the anthem or salute the flag. Number one, Jehovah's Witness. Most of them, the vast majority of them, it is in their doctrine. And it's a fragmented group, but all across the board, they do not salute the flag. Okay. Also, just anybody who is disgruntled or offended at America, they just hate America. They hate the country. They won't do it. All right. Thirdly, there's a few religious dunces out there who think it's uh, idolatry. (laughs) They just think it's idolatry and they won't be a part of it. Fourthly, you may not know this, Muslims. Muslims do not respect the flag. You watch this. You're at a ball game. You're somewhere, and you just kind of look around out the corner of your eye who won't salute the flag, who's sitting down. It'll be Muslims. That's right. Okay. Colin Kaepernick. Kaepernick. I like Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. He used to be an all-American good guy. You want to know when all of this uh, protest and the flag came from? It's when he started dating it, and a lot of people have said this. This isn't new with me. A lot of people have said this, but it's true, and some of you understand this. A lot of this American hate, anthem hate, flag hate, it all came when he started dating a certain lady, Nessa Daib, Diab, however you say her name. You know who old sweet little Nessa is? She is a Muslim, an American hater. And that's his girlfriend, and I don't know this be a fact, but I'm just suspicious that they have been fornicating. Yes, they have been lying down with each other. And let me tell you this, whoever you lie down with, you will attract their spirits onto you. Oh, yeah. That's why young people don't sleep around. Don't get involved with somebody. Well, you shouldn't be sleeping around with you in your own church, but definitely somebody in the world. Do not be unequally yoked. You're setting yourself up for a world of trouble. Oh, yeah. They won't come up to your level. You're going to stoop down to them. That's exactly what's going to happen. And it'll take you a long time to break that spirit off of you. Because when you have sex with somebody that uh, has uh, sin and devils in their life, oh, you open the door wide open to whatever they had on them to infiltrate you. Oh, yes. Some people say, can a Holy Ghost person be demon-possessed? Oh, yeah, you have sex with somebody who's demon-possessed, you're going to be demon-possessed. I don't care how big your Holy Ghost is, uh-uh. Sin is still sin, and it'll still open the door. Just because you have the Holy Ghost don't mean you have flesh, and the devil will infiltrate your flesh. And I think Colin Kaepernick got under the spirit of that Muslim girlfriend, and that's where a lot of this has started and where a lot of this has happened. Oh, yeah. It's a part of the old communist playbook. Hate the history of the country. Disrespect the country. Disrupt the country. Don't respect the flag. Don't respect the national anthem. Don't do any of that and instead stick up for something else, some other type of anarchy, some other type of system. But me, for the rest of us around here, and typically apostolics are very patriotic. We love America. We believe God raised up America to do a force of good. 
uh, in the earth, as uh, Prophet Tom, Tom Barnes spoke by revelation of the Lord since the 1960s, that God raised up America for three purposes. Number one, to finance world missions all over the world. You take a look at missionaries throughout the world. Are they German? Not really. Are they Australian? Not much. Are they Chinese? Not much. Oh, who are they? American. That's right, United States of American missionaries. We do it all throughout the world, and uh, we are going to continue to partner and give and bring the gospel all throughout the world, the whole gospel to the whole world. Amen. Also, America was raised up to protect and befriend Israel. Now, I believe Israel is a sovereign nation. Uh, they, they know how to defend themselves. But the help from us and the love from us and the, uh, uh, al- al- the, the ally agreement that we have with Israel has been a blessing to them, and it's blessed us, one of the reasons why God stuck up for us. Uh, Harry Truman, who is buried uh, not far from where I'm at right now, he was, one of, he was the first uh, in, the, in the United Nations when Israel was being formed as a nation. He was the first one to stand up and, and endorse this idea. He believed in it. As a matter of fact, he said, I have come here in the spirit of Cyrus. I am Cyrus. As Cyrus released Israel to go back to their land, so am I doing so here in this time. Uh, a great president, a phenomenal president. I recommend you study Harry Truman, everything that he did. He's got a phenomenal library up here uh, that I, I need to go back and visit. It's been, a, it's, it's been over a year. I love to go and visit it every year. Uh, that's a COVID-19 problem. Haven't been able to go and visit the president that I love right here in the Kansas City metro. Okay, so uh, and then also God raised up America to fight Antichrist. Antichrist who would try to arise before the time appointed of the Lord. So yeah, we love America. Hand over heart. We sing the anthem. Uh, we do it in our churches. We do it in our schools. We do it at our ball games. We do it everywhere. And uh, the, the, over this past weekend for Independence Day, I was so glad to hear the gunfire, the firework fire, the the smelling of bratwurst on the grill, hearing parties, people laughing, having a good time because America's big and we celebrate it big. Okay, let's talk about riots. Riots, the part of the commotion that's that's here. Okay, I get it. The Boston Tea Party. Everybody thinks these riots are okay because of the Boston Tea Party. All right, however you want to justify yourself, uh, God will judge uh, at the appointed time. And uh, even before that, I'm sure American law will judge you. You need to read about the Boston Tea Party. You need to study it. I don't think it's comparable to these riots at all. The Boston Tea Party, what happened was the British Eastern India Company, British East India Company was not taxed on the tea that they were bringing in, exporting in from China to the American colonies. No taxes at all. But the American colonies who were trying to sell their own tea, their own coffee, their own this, their own that, they were being heavily taxed. So it was extremely unfair. So what happened was the Sons of Liberty broke into a warehouse and took tea that had been expired over a year. Junk, nasty tea. Probably had mold and maggots all in it or whatever. Took that tea and dumped it dumped it uh, into the water. No buildings were burned. Nothing was stolen. Nothing was damaged. Nobody died. Completely different than the race riots of 2020. You notice they're not destroying things that are expired. Oh, no, they're destroying things that are fresh. They're burning down businesses. They're trampling people. They're doing this. They're doing that. Not even comparable uh, to the Boston Tea Party. Okay? Not even comparable. Some are saying, well, Jesus came in and turned over their tables. Okay, true. True. He did. He sure did. But this was a fulfillment of the prophecy. The zeal of my house has eaten me up. That temple was the house of God. It belonged to Jesus. That was his house. And what were those people in there doing? You know what they were doing? They were stealing people's prayer time. They were trying to sell merchandise in the place where people were supposed to be praying. 
You know, you think about this right now. In your church main sanctuary, what in front of the altar you had somebody that set up a, a, a meat smoker. And while the preacher was preaching, somebody was up there saying, smoked sausages right here, $1. Got a rack of ribs right here for $3. All while the preacher's preaching, he's up there trying to make money. He promises to pay tithe and taxes on that money, whatever. Okay, now I'm a spiritual man. I love preaching. But you, you tell me if there's a man up there in, in my altar with a meat smoker smoking meat, I'm going to have a hard time uh, listening to the preacher. You know what my mind's going to be on? Juicy Kansas City barbecue, all right? So, okay, let's say somebody set up a, a clothing shop right there. All of you apostolic women, specials on dresses, specials on this, on that, accessories. It'd be a hard time to get up and praise the Lord with a choir with somebody down there trying to sell dresses. That's what was going on in the temple, okay? Jesus said, I ain't got a problem with you making money, but don't make it right here where people are supposed to pray. We need prayer as well. So he drove them out. He didn't set anything on fire. He didn't kill anybody. He didn't destroy anybody. He didn't steal. He didn't vandalize. He just simply said, put your merchandise where it belongs, outside, okay? Praise the Lord. No comparison to the Boston Tea Party. No comparison to Jesus in the temple. Oh, no, this is just simple violence. This is just simple insurrection. That is what they are doing. They're vandalizing statues, okay? They're vandalizing statues. All right, it's a statue. I understand it. You know, they busted down statues in the Old Testament. I get it. But these are statues, not idols. I don't think they're being smashed by anybody in the, in the name of God to liberate us from uh, idols out of this land. If they were really going to do that, they would start smashing the satanic idols or the statues of Buddha in every Chinese restaurant. Okay? That's what they would do. No. You know what this is? This is a chapter from the old communist playbook. Destroy historical monuments. That's what this is about. I get it. A lot of these Confederate generals, these Confederate soldiers, yeah, they endorsed slavery. They believed in slavery, okay? I don't like slavery. I would have never fought with the Confederates. I wouldn't have. I would have agreed more with the Union, okay? And I hope that doesn't offend my Southern brothers. If it, if it does, you probably shouldn't be listening to Spiritual Signal anyway. Spirit Signal anyway, you're not a spiritual person. Go repent, clean up your act, and uh, get back to what the United States of America and what God gave us this beautiful land, what it's all about. Home of the free, home of the brave. Life, liberty, and luxury, all right? Okay, moving on. All right, these statues, statues communicate a message. They communicate history. And I want all of you, BLM, Antifa, all of you statue destroyers, whoever you may be, whatever organization you may be of, you are destroying something that is, the chances are it's going to outlive you. You're only going to live for about 70 years. A lot of those statues have already lived to be 170 years old. Let that statue and outlive you and communicate the vicious and the violent and the cruel acts of slavery. All right? Those statues are a reminder to us to never go back to slavery. They are a landmark. And in a way, you are destroying your own cause. Let that statue stand. Let it live. People aren't rallying around that statue to raise up slavery again. Uh-uh. It's a piece of history. It's a piece of history, and I think history speaks. And those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. And I think what is really happening here are the forces of naked communism arising to try to destroy our history, to destroy our monuments, to tear it all down. Believe me, if they're going to tear down statues, they're going to start tearing down people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's coming. Oh, yeah. Chances are you are of the apostolic faith if you are, or if you, if you are listening to this. 
understand this. I believe in separation of church and state, although that those words aren't in the Constitution. I believe in the idea of that, meaning uh, the, the government shall infringe no religion upon anybody and the religion shall infringe no government upon anybody. You can be a Republican and listen to this. You can be a Democrat and listen to this. You can be libertarian and listen to this. Uh, you can be a you can be a socialist and, and listen to this. I have socialist friends and we get along great. Okay, I if you want to know what I am, I'm a patriot. That's what I that's what I am. I am a patriot. I like America first. I do. All right. Let me tell you this. There are organizations out there that want to raise up communism. Communism is dangerous. The worst, though, is globalism. Globalism is 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 the is the most dangerous one. That's the Antichrist system, the globalist message. And uh, it's it's out there. Believe me, the globalist uh, agenda is out there. The whole new world order, all of that. It's out there. Can I tell you, all of you that are apostolic, you should know by now, there's been videos made, blogs written out there of what truly BLM and Antifa are all about, what they are all about. You should know that these groups are not church-friendly groups. They hate the church. They hate Jesus. They hate what you're doing. They are very pro-LGBTQ. They are very pro-abortion. Uh, they hate God, and they hate family. They don't like husband and wife. Oh, no, they like community. Uh, okay, they're like all of this. They have a communist agenda. They hate America. They do. And uh, I don't think I don't want to be a part of that hashtag. I don't want to be a part of that network. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm fighting for racial injustice. I believe in a godly way. I'm fighting for these things in a godly way by through uh, teaching and preaching and living in peace and through and having conversations and things like that. And that's the way that we are uh, supposed to approach this. Uh, can I tell you this? You're making people mad with your protesting. You're making people mad with your riots. You're making people mad with all of your disruption. And nobody's listening to you. You're making people. You're making it worse. Okay. Do you do you do you want me to to interrupt a Black Lives Matter protest and start screaming and hollering what I want to do? No, that's disrespectful. Disruption is not. It's the voice of disruption really isn't heard. Okay. Martin Luther King Jr. knew this. And that's why his message stuck. It connected. You march, you talk, you sit down to the table. Sometimes you bang the table and slap the table when there's disagreements. But by the end of it, you're enjoying dessert together. And you come to an understanding and negotiations are being made. And we move forward. And people are happy. And things are changed. All right? BLM, Antifa, they don't do that. But I suspect, I don't know this to be a fact, but I suspect that U.S. Special Forces have infiltrated these organizations. They have infiltrated them. And these organizations, they're not going to last. They're not going to last. All right? Moving on. I want to talk, I've talked to you about the past, the present, the future of, of the current distress with uh, the season of pestilence and commotion. I want to talk to you about the future. I want to talk to you about the future. I, I told you what God spoke to me on Sunday, March 22nd. I want to uh, give you a word that God spoke to me on uh, Independence Day, this past July 4th, 2020. I woke up. The Holy Ghost came to me. And I'm going to speak what the Holy Ghost gave to me in a dark saying so that only the wise and the prudent will understand this. The word is, pestilence shall depart as mysteriously as it came. A light remains in Washington, and a mistress of the, of the insurrection is cut off. 
They shall not turn the other cheek in the commotion. Pestilence shall depart as mysteriously as it came. A light remains in Washington. A mistress of the insurrection is cut off. They shall not turn the other cheek in the commotion. That is what I believe is coming this fall. And uh, for those of you that are wise and understand this, you know exactly what that means. All of these things are coming. Should we be distressed? Should we be worried? No, we shouldn't. It's not what Jesus said. He said, don't worry when you see these things. Don't be faint-hearted when you see these things. But instead, look up, for your redemption draws nigh. He said, have patience, for by patience you will possess your souls. This is Justin Gleason. I know this episode was a little bit different. We'll get back to deep Bible stuff next week, but I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've learned a few things. If you'd like to write me, please do so. If you'd like to comment, please do so. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Let's keep talking to each other. And remember this. Remember what Superman said, uh, or Clark Kent on Smallville. He said, storms are a way of life. The trick is not to get caught out in the middle of it. This is Justin Gleason, the host of the Spirit Signal podcast. Let's get through COVID-19 together. Let's keep friendships with each other. Let's stay unified and have revival. Save yourselves from this untoward generation!